No success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. That's why Club Wealth was founded, to help driven, successful, and busy real estate agents like you double their business while building a strong, balanced home life. Join us each week as high-producing agents and team leaders share their stories and unpack the principles and systems they've used to double, triple, and even quadruple their business while enjoying greater quality of life. And now, here's the latest episode of Club Wealth TV. Let's rock and roll. So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Michael Hellickson. I'm also one of the coaches here at Club Wealth. Uh, I was very consistently as a real estate agent. I, I sold real estate for well over 26 years uh, and uh, going on my almost my 30th year in the industry now. And uh, as an agent, I very consistently listed and sold over 100 homes per month. Uh, and that's, of course, my team and I, right? So it's not just me. That sounds like brutal. Um, but uh, we had a very good team that was doing a lot of business and uh, did that for a very, very long period of time. At one point in time, we had over 750 listings in active and pending status. Uh, so learned a thing or two and have been through some stuff. So hopefully we'll have a great conversation with Angela Tay about how to go from being a rookie to being a rock star. And guys, let's call it what it is, being a rookie in this business. And sometimes it's not just that I'm brand new in the business. Sometimes I've been in the business a while, but I'm not doing a lot of production, right? So all I, you know, but what I need to do is I need to go from, you know, small today to actually doing enough business to feel like I'm not just surviving in the business, but feel like I'm actually being successful in it. So Angela, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us what market are you in and then give us kind of your backstory. Sure. So I am uh, located in the Southwest Florida market, which uh, because of the dramatic polar vortex, et cetera, et cetera, in the north, <laughs> in the north, um, we have seen just crazy, crazy business this year. Um, typically, our market starts, I mean, we really get, we're, we're sort of the opposite of the rest of the country. Um, our busy time is January through March, generally speaking. Um, I, background wise, I started out as, I started out as a fashion designer many years ago. I went from that to teaching and then I became a psychotherapist. I was in private practice for about 15 years. Uh, when we moved to Florida five years ago, I started a private practice as a psychotherapist. Then I was doing that full time. And I thought, oh, it would be a really fun thing to have my real estate license because I grew up in the business, um, loved it. I used to wait for that big, thick MLS book to come out. And I would <laughs> look through the properties and I would circle the ones that I thought my father should look at because my father bought and sold multiple properties. Um, that's actually how he made a lot of his small fortune. Um, and I was very involved in that. We moved many, many times. So when I did receive my real estate license here, um, I thought it would be a part-time thing. We'd go out on Sundays, we'd do open houses, we'd meet some new people. And six months into it, my husband had to uh, quit his job because he was. we were so busy, we couldn't keep up with our, with our business. And then I kept um, paring down my practice. And about two years ago, I completely closed my psychotherapy practice and we continue to grow uh, our business. We started out just as agents and now we are real estate brokers uh, in the area and we are building our team. Okay. So let's, and Brian, I know you're going to have a lot of questions for her as well, but I want to start with this. So 
you were in this, you, you were selling real estate while doing your psychotherapy business. Is that right? Yes, I was. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what's interesting to me is how similar the two are, uh, right? In terms of, well, and, and I would, and, and very seriously, tell us what are some of the similarities that you would notice between being a real estate agent and being a psychotherapist? Well, basically, when, well, whenever someone makes a huge purchase, um, it's, it's not, no, I don't care how much money someone has when you're, when you're investing a large portion of your income um, or the money that you've saved into um, purchasing a property, it's, it can create anxiety. It can create confusion. You want to make the best decision. Um, you want someone who understands exactly what it is you are feeling at the moment. Um, being a therapist is a big part of being a therapist is really being able to walk in someone else's shoes, being able to connect with someone. Um, I'm sometimes I think I'm too good at understanding how other people feel. I'm really, I can really <laughs> tap into someone's emotional, um, the feelings that the way, the, the, um, what they're feeling, whether it's good or bad or anxious, depressed. Um, and so I think that helps me connect with people, which is very, very important. It's really, to me, the first step in forming a relationship because you're not, as a real estate agent, I don't think that you're, selling. It's not a sales job. I don't believe it's a sales job. It's a joining forces. It's a relationship. And we're going to go out there and we're going to make this happen together. We're going to hold hands and we're going to, I'm going to have your best, I'm going to be, your best interest is, is more important to me than anything, or having your best interest in mind is more important to me than selling a property. Okay. All right. So I get that. And here, I mean, here's the thing, because Brian and I talk about this all the time. Like sometimes we learn too much about people with social media the way it is now. Right. And sometimes we learn things we don't want to know. I mean, I, I'm, dude, I had an interview just recently that, uh, you know, I learned some things about this person uh, online that really shaped my decision as to whether or not I want to hire this person. Right. Uh, and so sometimes I, I kind of feel like, gosh, it would be a little easier if I didn't know so much about people. So let me ask you this. How has that changed the way? So when you when you were working in psychotherapy and selling real estate at the same time, did that have an impact on your success, or were there other factors that you feel were more important to your success than the ability to kind of get in somebody's head? Um, I think okay. So when I look at what we did, I think I'm a very very good marketer. I think that has more to do with it because mm-hmm. first you have to attract the people to you. And I was able to do that. So I think any kind of business, it's the same thing. I grew up in the restaurant business. My father was in real estate restaurants. My parents ran the restaurant because of that, because of growing up in that industry and understanding how to please people. And that was our whole, you know, that's, that was our family philosophy. You want everybody to walk away happy. And if they're not happy, you figure out a way to make them happy. Even if they're, even if they are not, you know, not happy with, uh, I don't know, a steak that was delivered, you know, you figure out what, what do I have to do to bring this person back in? Um, so I think first it's the marketing piece, just being able to appeal to people, bringing people to us. I have like this, um, I'm always thinking about how can I connect with people so that they're going to want to work with me. So I don't think that the psychotherapy piece even comes into play. It's a whole different, it's a whole different, um, way of relating to people. 
and it's a very private way and it's a very powerful way, but this is different because it's not the same as, um, it's not the same kind of a connection. It's more of a friendly connection, a fun connection. Uh, we don't really get into talking about very personal things unless you know we become friends along the way and it could potentially get that way become that way but usually that's after the sale okay so let's let's back up so when you started when you so you basically you started you were doing psychotherapy you said you're making about 120 grand a year doing psychotherapy you started selling real estate and you've grown within a couple of years how long did it take you to get from your 120,000 a year in psychotherapy to just over a million dollars in gross commission income and i think you said $400,000 in net income uh, as a real estate agent, how long did it take to accomplish that? Uh, about five years. Okay. It took about five years. And you're this saying, if I, what's our, that? This is our fifth year in the business. Okay. So really four years, years because last yeah. year you right. made your first million. Right. Okay. My All husband right. and I, so we work together. Sure. So sure. Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. No, that's totally fine. All right. And so what I want to know is, what do you attribute that success to? What was it that caused you to be able to go from brand new while, you know, working a part-time, you know, working another career and selling real estate at the same time? And by the way, that four years, is that inclusive of the two-year overlap? Yes. So there was two years where you were doing both and then only two years full-time as a real estate agent to get to that first million dollars in, gr in gross commission income. Yes. So that's pretty quick growth. I mean, I, I think we can all agree that that's, that's, that's very good growth. That's fast. So the question is, what were, if you could just name three things, what were the three most important factors and start from the top and work your way down, three most important factors that allowed you to do that? Okay. So we actually have an acronym and we have four. Okay. And we call it, it's PROZ, P-R-O-Z. Um, the first would be postcards. Uh, when we first, well, it started out actually the very first thing that we did that kind of put us, that, that gave us maybe four or five sales at one time. Um, we went around our community and we put little door hangers with a little postcard in it and it gave everyone a free ice cream cone at the local ice cream shop. And it said, have a, have a treat on us or something like that. It was a picture of us, your local real estate experts. Um, and then from there, we built what we always say, the R is relationships, which of course lead to referrals. Um, open houses, we would do open house anytime that I or my husband had available, even during the week, we would have our computers at an open house and we would just keep meeting people and collecting email addresses. And from there, we would add all those email addresses into a MailChimp and start sent, we would send out a newsletter, thank you notes every time someone would come into an open house. Um, and then the final thing, once we started to uh, actually sell real estate, then we started to invest in the Zillow zip codes. And that also was quite lucrative. I think it's like eight to one. So for every dollar we invest, we're making eight back. So I just got to say, Brian, you've got a comment. I, I'm gonna, I, I want you to jump in too, but before you do, I, what I'm hearing is there's no secret sauce. Well, what I'm hearing, I was, I was expecting, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I, I go to this unicorn car wash and I pick up a couple of unicorns and I brush their manes perfectly. And all of a sudden magic pills arrive. I drink, eat the magic pill and I'm rich. And what you're saying is that's not the case. It's work hard, but it's not hard work because I love it. And so I think it's sort of like, it's like any business, you, if you put your heart and soul into it, 
and you do all the right things. Well, I know that there are real estate agents and coaches and people who say, you know, buy the auto dialer, whatever that is, that robo dialer and call Fizbo's and do this and do that. That for me would be horrible. I would not enjoy my job and I don't think that I would be good at it. So um, we kind of took, we read everything, we did everything. We did all the things that people told us to do because everyone has something to say about how you should do it. And I think we just kept building on the things that worked. Whatever worked for us, we keep building on those. And that's, you know, what has worked for us. I think it's something, it probably could be something different for everyone. I don't know that it's always going to be like a, like you said, it's not some secret sauce for sure. Perfect. So here's my question for you, Angela. And, and this is what I heard. And again, I, I follow Michael up. You know, I've actually got a sign in my office that says that there, the secret sauce is there is no secret sauce. That's exactly. It's one of my favorite things. Um, my <laughs> wife purchased it from an artist friend of hers, and, and I love it, and I've really embraced that. So the thing that I'm hearing that you're doing is 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 consistency. And and by the way, I appreciate that, that you love real estate, and that's a that's a gift. It's, it's always a gift when you're doing something that you love, and you can do that all day long. But I, I just want to say this to the people out there who are listening. I don't necessarily love real estate. It's a vehicle. I, I enjoy the people. I enjoy the challenges that come with it. But there's days, and again, I'm a little bit jealous of people like Angela who wake up every morning and go, woohoo, I need to sell real estate. That's not me. Um, I love the opportunity to train and coach and do that type of stuff. But actually going out and selling a house, it doesn't, that's not what turns me, you know, makes my make me go. But I and so that's a gift. I just wanted to share that with anybody else out there who has that gift, embrace it because it's a it's a heck of a, an amazing gift. But you know. Postcards, like I don't do postcards. It doesn't mean it's wrong, but what it does mean is it's something that works in your market. And I'm going to guess you did it over and over and over and over, and and maybe even to a little point of boredom. And I and I think that that's one of the things that that I hear over and over again. Well, this is boring, and I don't want to do this anymore. And you know, and, and great. And, and and you know what? I get bored all the time. And then I go and I go, hey, look, we close. 50 transactions this month. I'm less bored now. So, you know, there's there's other things that come with it. I just want people to appreciate the fact that what Angela said, or at least what I heard her said was over and over and over, she did consistent activities and they gave her consistent results. And then she looked at the things that were working and then did it more. Is, is that a, a good interpretation of what you were saying? It's a great interpretation. And that's why we came up with those because we looked at every year we sit down and we well, every sale now, we have an assistant who does this, but we always um, mark how we, how did this sale happen? How did we get this listing? How did we meet this buyer? How did we meet this seller? And so we know where all of our coming from. So we have tried a lot of things that have not worked for us. And I also want to mention, I don't know if it's necessarily for me, it's not always about, you know, visiting houses and selling the real estate, like the sales part of it. I think it is building the business part of it. I do believe that for me, that's where maybe I don't consider myself a real estate agent. I consider myself and my husband, I consider us business people more than real estate people. Um, but I think it's the same with any business. I think I've always loved to work since I would, and I don't care what it was. I mean, you could put me at the dishwasher, being a dishwasher in my parents' kitchen and I still loved it. And I think it's just, um, just getting, it's just, even when we're on vacation sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's like such a satisfying, when you do a good job 
and people are satisfied and you have, you feel proud of the job that you've done. There's no better feeling, you know, in, in my but, opinion. Let me, go ahead, Michael. No, I was just going to say, the only thing I can think of that's a better feeling is cash in the freaking check. Well, <laughs> that feels pretty good. <laughs> so, so go ahead, Brian. I, I wanted, to, wanted to follow up on something you said about open houses. And I think this is a, is a very interesting conversation. What I heard you say was we sent thank you cards to our people who attend our open houses. Well, they were thank you emails. Thank so you emails. Okay. As soon as they left. And, and then, you know, we would try, we always try to remember personal information about people. And we are gifted in that way that we, because I think it is my husband has counseling background too. So I think because we do really find people very interesting, it's easy for us to remember things about people, you know? So yeah, I think that's important. So uh, this is an interesting thing. Um, I've been doing sales in one way, shape or form or another for as long as I can remember. I don't even know how to not sell something. Um, and, you know, you said, I don't like to be sales. I'll tell you what, I've redefined sales in my mind. There's a lot of reasons for that. So, to me, sales is two people communicating in a way that's beneficial to both people to get yeah. to the end result. And, and when I say that, I'm like, great, I love to be a salesperson. Who wouldn't love to communicate with people and get to a positive end result? So, um, so I, I love the idea that you're focused on people. And, and here's something that's really interesting that I'm hearing from you. I'm going to guess that whether you ever got a psychology degree or not, that this would still be true about you, is you found things when you meet somebody, you look for things that you like about them. Is that an accurate statement? Absolutely. So I want to congratulate you on that. And I want other people to listen to that. I didn't hear Angela say, I try and meet somebody and make them like me. That's not what she said. She said, I find the things that I like about them, it's easy to make, and it, it makes it easy and makes them memorable. Here's the thing, guys, and, and you know, in every relationship, and by the way, when you meet somebody, it's a relationship. It may be a very short-term relationship. Hopefully, it's a longer-term relationship and you do some business, but you've absolutely got to volunteer to be the person who's looking for the benefit for the other person and not for yourself, to find the things that you like about them. It's so much easier for you to find something that you like about somebody else than try and make them like you. And by the way, when you keep liking the thing about them, and I don't know if you're doing this on a conscious level or not, guess what? They will like you. If I start talking about the things that I like about you, you instantly like me because like, this guy's great. He loves everything about me. And you don't even know about it. So again, I'm not sure how consciously you're doing this, but it's an amazing thing. And if you can pick that nothing else from this episode, understand people, find things that you like about people, embrace those things. And especially in 2019, because it's so easy to find stuff we don't like about people because they keep telling us, as Michael said earlier. So anyway, I'm off the well, but Brian, here's what I want to ask. I want to know, because I, I get where you're going with that, and I don't I don't disagree with that. My concern is, what about those of us and, that just don't like people, right? What if, what if I just don't want to be around people? And, and, and I'm saying this because there are people, I'm looking at who's on the call right now. I'm looking at who's watching us right now. And I can tell you that there are people on right now that just literally, if they could just run their business and not have to deal with people, they'd be a lot happier. So what do you have to say to those people? How do we be, how do we be genuinely interested in somebody when we just don't like them or we just don't, and maybe it's not even that we don't like them. You know, I don't want to be fake, but at the same time, I'm not, maybe I'm just not that interested in them, but I need to help them feel good about working together. What, what, what do you do with those folks? I'll let Angela go first and then I'll answer that question. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. So I'm not going to lie and tell you that I love every single person <laughs> that I meet. Right. Be completely 
silly. I mean, no one feels that way. But I do think that most of us, all of us have. Angela, we're going to have to have you step closer to your microphone. You're you're way quiet there. Is that better? Much better. Oh, it's a little better. Yeah, go ahead. So, Technology. Uh, okay, I know it's always, that's always the biggest challenge, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so there are times when I don't particularly like certain things about people. And I won't even say that I don't like those things. It's just that they may not be the type of person that I'm interested in spending too much time with. Um, and so uh, how do you, how do I handle that? I think I just continue to do what I have to do. I do the transaction. I'm, I'm kind. I'm patient. Um, I probably don't ask a lot of questions in general uh, in, uh, of people about their personal lives, unless it pertains to helping them to find the right property initially. That, are there times when we hit it off and things, you know, become, I mean, I've, some of our best friends are, have been made through real estate sales, but, um, but people who don't like people, I'm not sure how to answer that. Let me back up really quick. And I want to ask our audience, type in your screen right now, if you have ever felt like, I just don't love people. Like I just, I really just don't love being around people or talking to people all the time or whatever, in some way, shape or form. If you have ever felt like, you know, you just don't love people all the time, say like, you know, that's me or yes, or something like type that into your screen in the, in the Facebook feed here. Cause I just want to, maybe I'm out in left field. Maybe everybody on the call freaking loves people. And if that's the case, if you love people type in your screen, I love people. I want to see where everybody stands. That's watching the call right now. So, and, and when, while you're doing that, Brian, go ahead and tell us where you're at on this. So actually one of my coaching clients said that to me yesterday. He said, what if I don't like people? <laughs> and I kind of chuckled and I said, here's the thing. You don't have to like people. But, you know, if you don't like people, then get in a diff different business. And, I, and, and that's not the best advice as a coach. But ultimately, what it comes down to is you don't have to like everything about these people. I, I can tell you, and I, I appreciate what Angela's saying, that some of her best friends came from real estate. I can tell you that the people I hang out with, not a single one, I'm not exaggerating. There are literally zero of my clients who... I didn't know prior to doing a transaction with that I hang out with. I don't, that's not, that's not who I am. You don't have to become friends with your clients. And by the way, Angela, that's great that she does. And that, and I, and I, there's not a problem with that, but I'm telling you, you can go through real estate. And I've sold a couple of houses without actually making friends with people or long-term friends. You, but you know, if we meet someplace and talk, yeah, hey, how's it going? Well, you know, we can have that conversation. I just don't hang out with them. I tell people that I'm not in this to, to make friends. I've got, I've got three, and I'm good. I'm just kind of kidding. <laughs> but uh, you know, here's the thing. I will argue this with you, Michael. Every single person that you meet, you can find something that you like about them. And so, if you don't like this person, key in on something. I like that this yeah. guy drives a blue car, and I love blue cars. Okay, that's dumb. But in, if that's all you got, then work on that until you can find out something else. And stop worrying about this perfectionism of I have to have the perfect client who loves me. And you know what? We can strive for that. And you get to the point in your business where you've got too many clients, then yeah, pick the ones you want. In the meantime, work with the people that that are out trying to buy or sell a house. And you know, I, I tell people all the time, you don't want to be around me after I hang up the phone. So you guys can take that. So, 
course. No, but I, Brian, I think you're nailing it, man. And, and by the way, type in your screen, you guys, and I'm seeing a lot of people. This is, I, I love some of the comments I'm getting. I'm getting people that are like, like Dave Woodson. He's like, I like some people, right? Like I get that. Okay. I'm totally cool with that. I'm down to that. And, and, you know, I've got, you know, Misty's raising her hand. I, I get it, Misty. And Andy's like, yeah, man, that's totally me. Um, you know, Brenda's. I, also, I have to say, I like yeah. what Dan Mahoney said. I like most people at some real estate agents I have issues with. I'm, right? I'm... <laughs> but it's true. And you know what? In this business, you're going to deal with some knuckleheads, whether it's the transaction, you know, the agents you're doing transactions with or people on the other side of the transaction or or your clients even. And, and here's the reality. I, Brian, to your point, you don't have to love everybody, right? But what you have to do is you have to respect everybody. And, and I think there's a big difference between I got to love them or I got to respect them. I don't care if you love me or not, but you, you will respect me or we won't do business together. And you know what? If, if I don't respect you, we're probably not going to do business together. So we need to find a way to respect the people that we're working with. Um, and I love Brian's point of, you know, find that common ground, find something that you like about them, something they're doing. The other thing, and by the way, I'd love for you guys type into your comments. And Tina King, one of our coaches says, always find something to like and find ways to enhance their life. Very good point. Some clients are impossible to connect with and might be a total time suck. And that's true. Yep. One, one of the things that's helped me is I try and remember whether I like this person or not. And this is, I don't mean to get all religious on you, but they are a child of God. They have a heavenly father that loves them and that cares about them. And I need to as well, Right. Someone in the world loves and cares about this person for some reason, and they are deserving of our love, even if we don't want to hang out with them. And that's okay. Um, so that being said, I think that's a really important foundation because if I'm if I'm sitting across from somebody, if I'm about to try and do business with somebody, and I'm just like turned off by this person, and I just think they're a douchebag, and sorry, I'm not supposed to use that word anymore. Um, <laughs> Great. Now I got to freaking put money in the curse jar. Anyway, you get my point. But if they're a total knucklehead, right? I it there's 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 two different types of knuckleheads. There's a type of knucklehead that I can get over it and I can still find a way to do business with them. And then there's the type of knucklehead that I just literally I can't stand this person. I can't stand being around them. And, and I want you guys to know it's okay to not do business with that person. It's yeah. okay. Now that being said, don't just shun them. Refer them out to somebody. Collect a referral fee at the very least. Right. Okay. So we're going to. I'm going to finish a final thought on that before you leave, Michael. I'm with you. You can fire clients. And honestly, the way I normally fire clients is I ghost them until they call me back. But nonetheless, here's the thing that you don't want to do you don't want to fire every client. And and that's so there's this line. So I can tell you in my career, maybe 3% of the people who I thought were clients, I ended up firing. And that feels like a good number. If you notice that you're firing people every month, you're the problem. Yes. Yes. You are so right about that. Anyway, uh, let's, let's I love how Brenda put it. Brenda does not mince words. This is a woman who is very clear about how she feels. She says, some days people are awesome. Some days people need a hug around the neck with a rope. <laughs> so anyway, she's kidding. Of course, guys, we don't really do that here. All right. So let's come back to, uh, you know, Angela, I want to talk more about how you went from, you know, basically brand new in this business and four years later, and, and two of those years were part-time, two of your four years were part-time. And then really just in two years going from kind of new uh, full, full-time agent to a million dollars in gross commission income. Uh, before we do that, I want to put a shout out to our sponsor, Wise Hire. We would not be here without them. We appreciate them. We use them all the time for our recruiting needs and whether it's for agents or for administrative staff members. 
so if you guys haven't done so already, check out clubwealth.com forward slash wise hire. That's W-I-Z-E-H-I-R-E. Love those guys. Appreciate you guys making these uh, shows possible. So Brenda, we, you know, I, I, what I love is you, one of the four, and it wasn't huge, and we'll talk about the others as well. The postcards, I'm not going to lie, that one caught me off guard because very few people have success with postcards. And the reason that, and Brian, I think you would agree with me, the reason most people don't have success with postcards is they don't do it long enough. Postcards is a very long-term strategy. It works well over a long period of time, but it's a big investment to make it pay off. And once it does start to pay off, it starts to pay off well, particularly if you're using it for a geo farm. That said, the one that really got me <laughs> was Zillow. I knew it. <laughs> everybody loves to complain about Zillow and Realtor.com right now. Like it's everybody, they're, they're like everybody's worst enemy. And so talk to us. And by the way, I want you guys to type in your screen. If you currently are buying leads from Zillow or Realtor.com, I want you to say that in the chat here. I want to know how many of our viewers are buying leads from Zillow or Realtor.com. And so, Angela, what I'm going to ask you to tell us first is why Zillow and not Realtor.com, or is it was that conscious or just how you happen to do it? And then how are you being successful? What's the keys to success with it? Well, we tried both. We tried Realtor.com and Zillow, and Zillow blew Realtor.com away in our market. That's our market. I don't necessarily believe that would be the case everywhere. It's not. Um, no. And because we're in a market where most people are also searching for a connection, a real estate agent, uh, they don't know. They're starting from scratch. They may or may not know anyone in this area. Somebody went on a vacation and they said, oh, that's a really great place to live. Now their accountant says Florida is a good place. Then they start doing research. So if you... Any, you know, Zillow search engine is always going to be at the top of the page when you do a Google search. I don't care what you, you know, house for sale, homes for sale in Naples, homes for sale in Bonita Springs, homes for sale in Southwest Florida, Zillow is going to be at the top. So they click on it. If it says Bonita Springs, we're the top, uh, my husband and I are the top two agents in the, in truly like the highest, um, the highest, all the price, the home prices are the highest in the zip code that we actually dominate. Um, we didn't start out that way. We started out with a $300 a month investment. We thought it was going to break us. We couldn't even believe we were putting this much money <laughs> into something. And somebody called us on a Friday. They bought it. We had a contract on a Saturday and then his brother and his dad. And, you know, and it just kept ballooning and ballooning and ballooning. And then we, every time we would make a sale, we would put more back into Zillow. And so now we're spending about anywhere between ten dollars and $15,000 a month, depending on the time of year, depending on how much help we have from a lender, because lenders do contribute as well if you're doing well. And, you're, and uh, we have partnered with lenders, and it works very, very well for us. But I also think, again, it's the same with the postcards. It's the same with the open houses. And it's the same with the relationship referrals you really have to be consistent. So you have to have a system. When somebody calls you from Zillow, you cannot go, oh, I don't feel like talking. I don't care if you're at dinner. I don't care if you're, I don't care where you are. If you're at the beach, wherever you are, you must answer that telephone call because it could be your next $6 million deal. Literally, it could be your next $6 million deal. Um, and it has been in the past. Uh, and that, you know, and so you have to also understand about how to nurture those leads. So they may not be ready to buy this month. They may not be ready to buy this year. The other thing that's 
super important with Zillow is you have to have great Zillow reviews and you have to let your clients know and anyone who calls you use it because of Zillow, because they found you that way. Every review that is, that, that's been um, written in your Zillow profile is also verified by Zillow. You have to, you have to enter an address of a house you bought or sold with the agent. And so they're, they're legit reviews. They're not, you know, somebody in another country going on and, you know, <laughs> making up a bunch of nonsense about you, but it's, but they're, they're true um, experiences. We get a lot of listings because of the Zillow reviews in the profile. People who are, again, we have many, many people who don't live in Florida in this area full time. They live in another state. They live in another country. And so that's how they're connecting with a real estate agent. They're looking at the number of sales and they're looking at the number of reviews five-star review. Okay. So what's your ROI on Zillow? It's uh, our return is eight, eight to one. So every dollar you spend on Zillow, you're getting $8 back. Is that right? Yes. Which is high. It's high. Okay. That's fine. A little lower. Yeah. But I think it's just because of the nature of our market too. Yeah. And I think you hit that right on the head, Angela. I think that it's important for people to understand. And here's the, here's the bummer for people in my market. And, you know, do you have a, you have a feel for what you pay for a Zillow lead approximately? I can't tell you that. I, I, that's fine. I'd have to it, a little more. I, I, and here's, here's the thing for all the people out there. And this is where you have to get tighter and better. So your average sales price is approximately 800. Here about four, our average is about 450. 450. Okay. Mm-hmm. So your average sales price is a little more than double mine. So, but here's the problem that that people don't understand a lot of times is that my Zillow cost is probably 90% of yours. You're paying a little bit more than I am, but Zillow doesn't care about the average sales price. That's not how they sell leads. They sell leads based on demand. So in my market, there's a whole bunch of agents who've decided that Zillow is a good thing and they all try and buy it. And like any other economic model, Zillow doesn't go, well, we can't spend that much money because because the sales price is too low in Northwest Arkansas. They don't care. They say there's people lining up to buy these things. We're going to sell it to them. So, you know, anybody who's in a market that's doing four or $500,000 sales, that's a blessing. And by the way, it's pretty easy to get about an eight ROI if you follow the things that Angela's talking about. And the things that I heard her say, this is not the script. Hey, are you looking to buy in six months? Great, call me in six months. That's not the script. The script is I'm going to follow up with you. I'm going to work with you. How can I help you? I want to get to know you. How can I meet you? And, and that's what I'm hearing Angela do. And she, what, what I love that she said is sometimes I get a lead on Friday and I close them on Saturday. But sometimes I work on that lead for two years. And mm-hmm. by the way, each of them costs the exact same amount of money, right? And unless you're planning on being out of the business in 6, 12, 18 months, you need business in 6, 12, 18 months. Nurture it. You've already bought the lead. Stop buying the new lead and pretending like it's better. And I'm hearing that what you do is you treat every lead like it costs $400, not like a lead that's 12 months out. By the way, it doesn't cost less. So so amazing job with that. I'm going to guess if for any two things, and I don't know enough about your business, but if I the two things that I've caught on to so far is you believe in nurturing relationships and then you believe in follow-up. Mm-hmm. And guys, that's the secret sauce. And the secret sauce yeah. is do the stuff that everybody else is not doing. And, and so congratulations for that. And there's one more thing that I think that we do that makes helps to keep everybody with us. 
because people move to Florida, they'll buy a second, a third home. It's usually a small condo at first. Then they're going to sell because they love it here. So they may then sell that house and then they're going to, or that unit, then they're going to buy a bigger unit or they're going to buy the house. So we really have to keep in contact with our clients. And we had over a hundred transactions last year where we're at 60, 68 or something like that. So they're pending already in 19. How do we keep all those people, you know, connected to us? So once a year, when everyone's here in January, we have a client appreciation party and we have it at the country club and we have, we, you know, we have a really nice spread. Um, we do remember everyone's names, which is great. <laughs> you know, we really have like a, an appreciation for all of our clients. And I do think that like attracts like, so our clients have a certain type of way about them. They're just really nice people, generally speaking. And by the time some of them are like, Oh, stop by, I'm just going to make an appearance. Well, they get, they, they come to this party and they're there, they're breaking down the tables at the end of the night. They're still there. They're hugging people. They made new friends. When's your party next year? I can't wait. We're going to reserve that. You know, we want to make sure that we're here. And so it's become like this annual event now that people really look forward to. And again, after, so that's January. Now everyone comes in January. They generally stay from January until April. If they're going to sell their house and they just attended our party, I don't think they're going to call another realtor in the neighborhood. They're going to call us because we still maintain that connection with them. Yeah. And here's the thing. Brian touched on it earlier. And it's we say this all the time. But you guys, I, we can't say this enough. Success is boring. And, <laughs> and really, I mean, you know, I look at all the things you're doing, you know, that you're doing the, you know, if, if we go back to your acronym uh, of you know, the, uh, what did we say? We said it was, uh, (laughs) it was, that's right. P-R-O-Z, pros, postcards, relationships, open houses, and Zillow zip codes. I mean, that's, that's, there's not a lot of secret sauce in there, right? Um, But what you're doing, and let me just, I want to get, we've only got a couple minutes left. And so I want to get to the nitty gritty here real quick. So on your Zillow, lead comes in, how fast are you on that lead? What do you, how tenaciously do you follow up with them? In a nutshell, very quickly. That minute. The lead okay. comes in, you call, you email, you text, you do whatever it is, whatever you have to do to get in touch with them that minute. Now, if I don't hear back from one of those three, you know, sources, like via telephone, text, or um, email, I don't keep bugging them. I'll put, they go right into my MailChimp. I'll probably try again the next day and maybe again, or I might, um, I might tell my assistant, listen, you need to follow up on this person if you can. But the but then they go into the MailChimp and we do one monthly newsletter. And a lot of the time we capture them again that way because then they hear from us in a different way with the, all of our listings, maybe some real estate news. So they're always going to hear from us at least once a month. And that's kind of how we do it. Okay. And so, so not a, not a super tenacious follow-up plan, but very quick to the lead. So speed to lead. And, and we said this before, I mean, if you think about an online lead, 92% of buyers start their search online of those 72% work with the first agent they come in contact with. So being first to contact them is huge. And it sounds like you're reaching most of them quickly when they, when they come in, right? Yes. And I don't even, a lot of the time they'll call directly from Zillow. So it's not even like because then they'll do some research and they may, 
reach us because of Zillow, but we may not know that. It could be something some other way. We don't always know exactly. And sometimes we'll ask, how did you find us? I don't know. I think of my neighbor. And then I saw your picture down at the uh-huh. at the grocery store. And then I saw a TV because we have done commercials. Or, so like they might see us. Uh, we have a, an office with a big sign and it's in a very busy shopping plaza. Um, so it's hard to say all the time where they're coming, you know, from where they, where they uh, arrive. But um, I do think like consistently showing our faces helps. People. Okay. So let's come back to open houses then. So talk to us about open houses. How often are you doing them? How many people come out to them? And what's your follow-up process? Um, we do one at least once a week. Uh, in the beginning, we did many, we did more because we didn't have anything else to do <laughs> besides open houses. We had no customers. No. So hearing them like as much as, as often as we could, I mean, we would do them every day if we could. 